Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. One of the reasons why I do have a lot of energy is because when I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling... I just kind of respond to it. Like, I don't really deny things. Right. And so I do process them, and then you can move out of it. Whoa. All yeah. Right. Who murdered who? My grandfather shot my grandmother and then uh, killed himself. G, 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 take me away. G, 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 take me today. Welcome to another episode of The Gary Hour. I'm your host, Gary Levitt. This week, I talked to comedian Carolyn Casilia. You might have seen her on NBC, VH1, or news networks as a talking head. She is full of energy. This was a fun episode, though I gotta warn you, there's some pretty gruesome stuff at some point. So if you're easily triggered, beware. This episode is brought to you by Future Moments, makers of mobile apps for content creation. If you're a musician, a podcast, or filmmaker, if you just make videos on your phone, go to the App Store and search for Future Moments because they have an app that'll make your life easier and your productions so much better. Okay, thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for information and links to Carolyn, and I hope you enjoy. Drink. 
Even my soul. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I got the mic on special soul. <laughs> the soul input. setting. Yes. <laughs> soul input being sucked in. <laughs> cool. Carolyn. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Um, so my first question for you is, you've been on NBC, VH1, Comedy Central. I've seen you perform. You have tons of energy. And you're a mother. Mm-hmm. Can I have some of your blood? No. How do you do actually, it? Actually, let me let me think about that before I say no too quickly. How much will you pay? Oh, I see. Is that the problem? Because you, you you seem to be. I'm not giving away my blood for free. How do I get this kind of energy? Oh God, you have to have a desperate need for the love of strangers. That's really where it comes from. A love of strangers. No, to, you need to have you you need to have a need for the love of strangers. Oh. Like I need their love. I yes. love them too. Yes, but yeah, I'm gonna guess uh, supportive mother and uh, unsupportive <laughs> father. No, unsupportive mother, absent father. Oh, wrong combo. Close. <laughs> right, you just need the approval. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. that is the problem with performers. And then I and I I don't know my biological father. I had a stepfather. He died. What a dick. Why did he do that? I don't know, because he didn't have my blood. <laughs> yes, you need, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so your your mom was around, and then your stepfather passed away when you were... I mean, I was I was a, an adult. I was 31. Okay. So, but that's still pretty young. Yeah. You know, and also, I mean, I had a small baby at that time. So, like, losing a parent, raising a small child is, like, a lot to sort of happen all at once. Yeah, because you rely on their support. And you want your baby to have a grandfather? Yeah, grandparents, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, every, everybody everybody still dreams of that big extended family, don't they? Um, some of us, yes. Yeah, do you have, <laughs> uh, do you have a, a family that you're connected to? Yeah, and I recently got married and I got very lucky with amazing in-laws. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so that's super great. So are there little kids around? There are a lot of little kids around. I yes. love that. Yeah, I love it too. It's great. That's really fun. That's who you need to get blood from, is all the little kids in your family. I know. Like, just being around them, they're like energy vampires. They just suck it right out of you. (laughs) They do. And then they jump on your half-dead body when they're like, Uncle Gary's tired. Yeah, just from being around them, I'm tired. I want to go to sleep at like 9 p.m. just when I spend the day with them. (laughs) Exactly. It's strange. So how do you do it? You're a a mother. How do I do it? You're a (sighs) single mother? I'm a single mother. Okay. My daughter's 13 now. Oh. Um, so I, I don't know. It's funny. I I mean, I do recognize that I have a lot of energy, mm-hmm. but I've only ever been me, so I don't know what it's like to be somebody else. You know? Right, right. But I mean, I've had moments of depression and feeling sluggish, and I think, I, I guess one of my defining characteristics is that I, I do have an ability to kind of push through mm-hmm. um and i think that that has really served me very well in even life. when you get depressed when i'm depressed tired sad upset hurt a million things going on everything's falling apart somehow i can just kind of push through what are you, you know? doing do you have any special tools um no there's no i don't work out i don't eat enough vegetables uh-huh. <laughs> i don't drink enough water probably you should try crying a lot and coffee the- that's that's what's working for me. That works, huh? Yeah. So you empty it out with the crying. Yeah, and then fill it back up with the coffee. And then you in fill fact, it up with caffeine. If you took blood from me, it would just be a latte. Right. Like if you poured it into a cup, it would foam at the end and make a heart. Nice. Yeah. I, I 
I see what you're saying, but I have a hard time completely agreeing because there's <laughs> something else going on. I don't know. I mean, I, well, you you just really met me. We worked together once on yeah. Risk. Yeah. So what do you observe that you think? High energy. I don't High know. High energy. All right. Yeah. Where, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Oswego, New York, mm-hmm. which is a small town on Lake Ontario. A very cold. Very cold. Hard very wintry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Winter for 13 months. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> Yikes. It's, yeah. So maybe, maybe that's part of it. Maybe being like kind of a hardy winter kind of person. And makes, makes it tough. easier to like, yeah, be tough and push through. And what happened to your dad? Was he gone from day one? Um, no, oh, my biological father. Yeah, yeah. I never knew him. He like, I married my mother after she got pregnant. I don't think wanted any of it, you know. And then oh. was like a, an alcoholic and a Vietnam vet, and uh, brought her to Indiana, which is actually where I was born. And then just kind of bounced immediately. And then mm-hmm. my mother came home with a tiny little baby in tow and moved back in with her parents. So how old was she when that happened? She was 25. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So do you know him at all? I don't know him. Do you he, want to? I don't know. He's out there. Cause yeah. I, so uh, one does of he the, have your last name? No, he doesn't. And one of the most interesting things that's happened to me in my life is that not just one, but two half siblings have come out of the ether to introduce themselves from to me. From your dad's side. From my dad's side. So one I knew about, didn't think I'd ever be able to get in touch with, but you know, now that we live in the era of Facebook, you can find anybody. You don't need to hire a PI, right? Right. And so our cousin who knew me and knew her reached out to me one day and was like, your sister wants to get in touch with you. She's that's pretty bold. Yeah. <laughs> calling yeah. Her your sister. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready. And she was like, here she is. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. But then my sister, her name's Stephanie, which I also have a cousin named Stephanie. Um, she was like, I've been looking for you my whole life. And like, she's younger than me. So it was pretty special. And like, I, I wasn't going to turn her away. You is, know what I mean? Is like, she an only child? Hmm. I don't know. I think she has like step siblings. Okay. You know, family dysfunction, right? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like your biological like, gets around. Yeah, he sure did. Um, so, and yeah, we actually joke. We're like, we probably have a brother in Vietnam who like we have to find at right. some point. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, so. She came out uh, to, you know, found me and and then we knew each other for a couple years, mostly online. And then one day she called me and she said, um, hey, Carolyn, remember our sister um, who we were told was dead? I said, yeah. She said, she's alive. How does she know? And where? Because Melanie, who was dead, she she found Stephanie and our biological father and like, so, sort of, we all got connected, and that that was pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. that was pretty crazy to to this this woman who we were told was killed in a car accident as a child. Why was why were you told that? Was someone so trying the to way hide? that I understand it is that her mother didn't want our biological father to know Melanie, right, and. The mother didn't want Melanie to know 
our father. She wanted to have him all for herself, right. disconnect him from his right. other. So both parties were informed the other was dead. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's really... And before the internet, you could do that. Yeah. You could do it and get away with it. Yes. You know, so it's interesting. I'm 42 years old. How old are you? 45. 45. Yep. So we're from the same generation. Yep. And so we're, we're this weird crossover generation of people who remember before. Uh, before the internet. Yeah. yeah. And well, then there's also DNA testing where men used to get away with impregnating women and just be like, do, 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 see you later. It's yeah, not yeah, mine. It's not mine. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, that is huge. Now every guy has to be responsible for his actions. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So the future's not so bad. No, there's a lot of good. Yeah. <laughs> there's some blues player who's like, there's a website. I, I forget his name, but I am blah, blah, blah's son, uh, child. And oh my he, God. He supposedly fathered like over 100 kids. Wow. Yeah, and then DNA testing came in, and then like all these kids submitted their DNA, and they're all related to, their, that's the guy's father. He just went around, tore it around, wow. impregnating anybody. And he was like proud, like he was trying to do that. Probably, because he didn't care. Yeah. He'd just be like, not mine. I'm on to the next town. Wow. Got to play some 145 Blues. 145 <laughs> <laughs> I do love it. Hey, that's not my kid. Well, maybe it is. Did I do that right? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, you, you're very musical as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh God. I, You know, it's funny. I have a degree in musical theater and I studied classical music properly Why and everything. Why am I completely not surprised by that? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't like practice enough. So I, I don't claim being a musician in, in you know what i mean like mm. i am very musical and i'm a pretty decent singer and i love music but like i have friends who have grammys you know what i mean so right. i don't like yeah and i know i'm not anywhere near as talented as them vocally maybe i could be if i really you know was responsible about it but like i don't have like i can't write songs you mm. know what i mean i don't have that piece of musicianship but you can freestyle rap I but guess. i can freestyle rap yeah but i i chalk that up to the trauma <laughs> is that how you uh, deal with your trauma yeah your exactly. i feel like you know your brain gets jangled around enough you're like oh, it can rhyme <laughs> it's okay <laughs> and, you, and you do it improvisationally i do yeah 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 right. i think that that'll be a good way to end the podcast okay great yeah. give me a beat yeah all right it's not over yet no oh, <laughs> shit i got things to do i'm a busy woman <laughs> <laughs> just that you're sitting down is kind of an amazing feat right now yeah that's true okay so you have all these siblings that you're that so you're, i have so i have these two half siblings who you know like i said kind of just appeared and um we have not met in real life oh no why not I don't know. Like Everybody they, comes to New York. Both, <laughs> so true. I know. Like, come for Christmas. Um, they both have kids and, you know, it's hard. So when that you, means your daughter has all these cousins. All these cousins that she hasn't met. But then my daughter on her father's side of the family has like 20 something cousins. Okay. So she's not short on cousins, but she hardly knows any of them. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. Yeah. Like this, this time that we live in now... Everybody moves away from their hometown. They move away from their extended family. So people might not even know their cousins at all. Right. You know, we're, meanwhile, I grew up with my cousin Stephanie, like super close. Mm -hmm. And Because um, you're in the same city, same town. Yeah. And, and like, you know, both babysat by either her mother, my grandparents, whatever. And then um, like now you could, some kids won't even know their grandparents because people are waiting so long to have kids. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it's 
kind of sad, I guess. I guess I, I think so. Or they'll know their grandparents for a very short time, and then they might till they're like three or four. Then they won't remember. Yeah, my dad died when my daughter was three. She had she doesn't remember. No memory at all. No. Yeah. So, did your stepfather and your mother have more children? No more. No more kids. You have any? My I have step siblings. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So he came into the marriage with children. That well, yes, but they were mostly grown. Okay. So, yeah. So you kind of grew up an only child? In my house, I was the only child. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really unique, you know, because I, I, it, I don't know. It's, I think that formed who I am more than anything else. Like I would just imagine. being alone all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like not just without siblings, but also like, my parents totally were not hands-on parents. Uh-huh. Um, what would know. happen? You'd come home from school. Say you're in you're in elementary school. You come home from school. When I was young, I would go to my grandparents after school, and my my grandparents. It's funny. You don't realize how many times you've shared your story in piecemeal ways. Like mm. I feel like I'm like God. I've talked about this shit on so many different podcasts, but like I'm not famous, so it doesn't matter how many times <laughs> I repeat myself. But never as good as this one. <laughs> But it's not it's not like everybody knows this about me, so yeah. I have to keep reiterating this stuff over and over. So um my grandparents died in a murder suicide. Whoa. All yeah. right. Who murdered who? My grandfather shot my grandmother and then uh, killed himself. And so he had rheumatoid arthritis and she had Parkinson's disease. Now, was this an agreement that they had? We don't know. I don't know. How I, old were you when this happened? I was 18. You were, okay, so you're an adult. Yeah. So my grandparents had kind of raised me for the beginning half of my life before my mother remarried. So I would go to their house after school. My grandfather was at work. My grandmother was home, but she was kind of nuts. And... She would always just be racked with anxiety and like praying, you know. Yeah. And religious so, people. Yeah, Catholics. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's so like God fearing. Oh, I don't. How do you describe Catholics? <laughs> like a lot of guilt and yeah, watch just, out, you're gonna go to hell. Yeah, guilt, but like not trying to be better people. <laughs> right. <laughs> In spite of the guilt, you just go to confession. And yeah, then, exactly. It's uh-huh. it'll all work out. Um. And so she couldn't really like take care of me. So when I was with her, I was kind of on my own, you know, and I remember like being little and just either watching TV or like watching the dust fly through the air. Like that's a visceral memory that I have that I want to do something with because I think there's something to that. Like being a kid in the 80s, and I don't even know if a kid could experience this anymore because they're just, they have too much technology. They're never bored never you know bored. what i mean they're never just left to their own imagination right and i can remember sitting there and looking up at the sun streaming through the door you know because there was like a glass window in the door was this a google image <laughs> <laughs> and, and and looking at the dust particles flying in the sun and just being so fascinated by dust yeah how sad is that and yet amazing because yeah. it was like mystical and magical absolutely you know it was mind expanding it was mind expanding yeah, yeah it was it was my 
first trip at age four. And so, <laughs> so I can That's remember. That's what you do in Oswego. <laughs> that is what you do in Oswego. So that was kind of my, like, till I was about seven when my parents got married and moved in together. And then. But wait, wait, I want I, I don't want to leave this murder-suicide. Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, no, I was going to get back to it. But okay. really, it's okay. This, this can meander. Okay. So they, did they have like any sort of written thing? Or did they write? I think so. I mean, I, as I recall, there was a letter. Who found I have the bodies? never seen the letter. Mm-hmm. Um, the letter was taken as evidence. And I sometimes think, I wonder if I should go to the station or whatever the fuck you do right. and ask for it. There's probably a case file. Uh, yeah. But I don't, well, I don't care. It's not that I don't care, but I don't care. You know what I Can mean? Can we like, start like a series podcast together where we do this <laughs> and go, <laughs> let's uncover this. <laughs> <laughs> no, because then I'm going to get sad and I'll lose my energy and I'll need to take blood from your nieces and nephews. So, so who found the so, bodies? So my uncle um, found them and that was sort of planned, I believe, on the part of my grandfather. Like he basically like called him the night before and was like, don't forget to come to the house. And I, I think <laughs> I think the unfortunate phrase he used was to check the garbage um so my uncle showed up to like be a good son and do whatever needed to be done around the house and then there was this crime scene and um the the thing about a murder suicide yes darling (laughs) i've thought about (laughs) this i'm so glad i'm so glad i didn't put this in my rider oh by the way when i briefly touch on the murder suicide let's not dive in anyway go on you didn't think i was gonna breeze by this murder suicide (laughs) i mean i do i'm always like anyway this thing happened so you guys want to go get some lunch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then the sunlight was out <laughs> in the dust yeah <laughs> okay so i'm assuming uh your grandfather shot your grandmother yes that's right yeah because you know that's a man's job Man. yeah <laughs> thank you but wouldn't that wouldn't there be fear of like maybe he couldn't pull the trigger on himself i don't know i don't know i mean you know uh and you should, in all seriousness, you should probably put a trigger warning on this episode just for people because I know it can be very hard to talk about these types of things and they don't always want to listen without knowing like, okay, this right. is a content warning. There's some deep stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I mean, you know, I, I, I certainly thought when I was young and trying to deal with this in the aftermath of it happening you know, like what is the what is the mindset that you have to be in? Yeah, to to do something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter your physical pain, no matter if you've agreed to it as an act of euthanasia, no matter. You right. know, and to leave it to your uncle to clean it up, right? And, and so, to me, kind of the the way that I've like solved the case for myself is like, look, you know, he was. A, a troubled man. He he was orphaned when he was very young. He grew up with his aunt. Like, I come from, like, a whole history of just, like, Irish Catholics who, you know, were, like, like corporal punishment. You know what I mean? Like, these were not, like, warm, loving people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they were, they were sick and they were sad. And so... Um, is there a history of suicide or suicide attempts? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Um, but it's just, you know, I think one sort of explanation is like, well, he was in so much pain, he decided he couldn't live anymore and kind of 
in his mind being the head of the household, mm-hmm. you know, then my grandmother had to go too because who would take care of her? And I don't want to leave her as a burden. You know what I mean? That's like one potential. So when you say it that way, line of thinking. When you say it that way, it does not seem like a mutual pact. I don't think it was mutual. Okay. Uh, it's my opinion. I have no way of knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the letter has any details about that. This is your mom's parents? This is my mom's parents, yeah. yeah. So I feel like, I mean, you know, my grandmother was like taking Parkinson's meds that make you hallucinate. This actually happened to... Robin Williams. Yeah, exactly. So this is like a real medical side effect. And so my grandmother was sort of seeing like a little boy in the kitchen eating an apple and... And I think my grandfather got like disturbed by that, you know? Yeah. Um, but ultimately it doesn't matter how much she was suffering, how much he was suffering. Like he certainly had no right to make that call. You know what I mean? Like it is a murder, yeah. you know? Um, and that's, that's what, why if it was an agreement, I would think that they would have something in writing and, you know, yeah, a yeah, last totally. will and testament. And also you would do it differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. You would like take pills or something or maybe do it in the garage in the car. Like you wouldn't, yep. it wouldn't be like violent, you know? And messy. Yeah. For someone else to clean yeah. up. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And it could be fun. <laughs> Get a bunch of heroin, you know? No, <laughs> Go out Christ. in bliss. <laughs> um, I do not co-sign this plan just for everyone listening. Um, no, I mean, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know. And I and I don't spend time thinking about it anymore right. because that would just like ruin my life, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. You've come to terms with it. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's a very interesting thing to be a person who has experienced so much tragedy and darkness and difficulty mm-hmm. that you don't wallow in those emotions anymore and in fact i don't feel anything at all about it if that makes any sense like and not in a denial way right because i completely like felt it deeply and like processed it but you know i mean my grandparents died in a murder suicide my father died of stage four lung cancer eight days after being diagnosed Mm. you know i'm divorced like i i've just had like a lot of loss Mm mm-hmm and so, um, I don't, I don't, I don't fixate on it as being like a negative thing. You know, I really focus on living and trying to live well. Right. And you don't seem just from talking to you about this, you don't seem like you you just block it out and like stuff it down. Because if you did stuff it down, your eyes would have warded up. You would have stiffened up when we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. it. And I didn't see any of those signs. And people could probably hear it in your voice that you've worked through this. Yeah. No, the only thing I stuff down is Mexican food. That's my... <laughs> Who doesn't? That's one of my main passions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So that shows a sign of health because there's other ways to deal with problems. You could, sure. Ign- yeah. You can get into drugs and drinking and... Escape your problems, yeah. ignore them, deny them. But then when someone brings them up... It'll show on your body and it'll show in your eyes and mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, you'll hear a tremble in a voice. Yeah. You show it's, none of it that. It almost makes me think of like, um, oh crap, Pima Chodron, mm-hmm. right? Like she's like a Buddhist monk. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I don't know her life story that well, but I think she also experienced great loss and like 
that's kind of how, in, if you can handle it really well, like it kind of takes you to a certain next level, if that makes sense. Like spiritually you, or yeah, just like in a way to like deal. you get like a little, you get like a little more chill about everything. Mm-hmm. Like it helps with detachment. Right. You know what I mean? Well, Which is not to say that you don't experience pain, right. you know, but it's just like, you learn acceptance, if that makes sense. Sure, you're more, yeah. you're a little more zen with things. Things you're like that that stone where things roll over you a little easier. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you just know, like, hey man, this is part of life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, bad, really bad things can happen. I certainly hope this is something I do think about a lot. Like, I mean, I don't want any more bad things to happen. <laughs> But don't you, you know want to get I mean? to that higher place? No, <laughs> no, I just want to stay here and stuff Mexican food down my yeah. face. Because <laughs> that also is a higher place. <laughs> exactly. But and having a daughter, these things must affect you in a in a more nuanced way than it affects someone without children. Because you must vicariously experience almost everything through your child. Mm. Like you don't want all these hardships to happen to your daughter. Oh yeah, no, I'm very much trying to give her a hardship free life mm-hmm. yeah you don't want her to transcend to the i don't <laughs> no no she's got work to do here <laughs> yeah. she can stay focused yeah and also especially in this uh, society the american culture we don't really ever deal with death mm-hmm. we, that's true we just ignore it like it never happens that's true god and you know what we don't even talk about the fact that we ignore it i mean i guess that makes sense because yeah. if we started talking about it we'd have to stop ignoring it but um, when my dad died, I was like thinking about starting a grief project because I was like, fuck it. Like no one talks about this and you're basically just supposed to go back to work. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But meanwhile, grief takes like a full year mm-hmm. and it's not that you can't work. You can, you can be functioning. And, and in fact, you do need to go to work because you need to like, you know, have something to take your mind off it. Yep, distract but like, I remember some nights, just seven o'clock, I was like in bed, exhausted, mm-hmm. you know, and just the weight that I felt, I've never felt that much weight. Like my body was heavy and limp and I couldn't even, there was no energy in my body, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And and that's, that's unusual what, for me. That's so, what sadness does. Yeah, yeah, and I, and and the only person I could really talk to was my sister. You know, mm-hmm. we would just talk about it, and then it was okay. Yeah, and dealing with it that way rather than just like fighting it, it's probably good that you just let your let let yourself go through. Yeah, it. because if you don't, that's when you have a breakdown. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> you can cut out my cough. Um, <laughs> maybe one of the strengths that I have and one of the reasons why I do have a lot of energy is because when I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling, I just kind of respond to it. Like I don't really deny things. Right. And so I do process them and then you can move out of it quicker. Whereas if you like pretend everything's fine, keep going, keep going, keep going, then you're headed for like a major crash. Right. And then you're fucked. Right. See, these are things that were not taught in school. Like dealing with uh, hardships, dealing with tragedy, mm-hmm. dealing with death. Mm-hmm. We never talk about that. Um, how, as raising a raising a daughter, how do you talk to your daughter about this kind of stuff? Well, I mean, she's only thirteen. Like, when yeah. is the right time? I mean, we haven't had to talk about this stuff 
And I probably wouldn't just like bring it up, you know, let's so talk about what to do like, if someone dies. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, I think that she has seen me, you know, process things as they've happened. Like during her lifetime, I've, I've been through a doozy of a breakup that mm-hmm. she watched me process. And so I think, you know, she very much knows like, Hey, when you're going through it, just go through it. Like, don't, don't pretend you're okay. You don't have to do that, you know, and you can still get up and do things even when you're feeling bad, you know? I mean, I think like one of the things that makes me a good stand up is that I'm always kind of representing the truth of the moment mm-hmm. you know and a good improviser yeah exactly so if i'm tired i let people know i'm tired mm-hmm. if i'm pumped i let people know i'm pumped if i'm just eh, then i just operate honestly from eh. and you can always i think when you connect to the truth of the moment you can always derive energy from that because mm-hmm. you're in flow right flow yeah yes very important yeah man when you're in flow it's all working out. And this is why women are better people, because we flow once a month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a great TED Talk about flow. I don't know if you've seen that. I but... haven't seen it. I think it came up in my feed, and I just kept flowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very important for creativity. Yeah. And like anyone that's written a song or written a, you know, anything you just know or novel when it's happening, you're just like outside of it. You're in that zen. Oh, yeah. Place. Yeah. And Elizabeth Gilbert has talked about her process and and then other artists that she was inspired by in terms of like, how do you write? How do you write a song? Like, how do you catch the muse? You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm, one of the things she said, I forget, Tom Waits, somebody that, that was like, you know, songs would come to him and he'd be like, can't you see I'm driving? You know? <laughs> it's like, so sometimes you can't catch that wave but like you gotta know like i have viscerally experienced in my body okay this is in me and it needs to come out right now and i have to write it and you just sit down and you do it yep you know Mm because that thing is using you as a conduit it's not like you right grabbed it you know it came to you yeah and it's using you as the force to express itself and if anything you kind of have to get out of the way and let yeah. it happen. Yeah, you're like, I can't type this fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you don't overthink it. You don't edit yeah. while it's happening. No, Just no, no. Flow. Let it flow. <laughs> let it flow. It's such a nice thing to have experienced that. Yeah. That sort of creativity and flow when that happens. Yeah. It's amazing. So do you think this, uh, that your hardships, is this what made you get into comedy? What, what made you, you studied musical theater. I did. But that's um, pretty different. No, I mean, you know, musical theater is, it's very tight. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, it's very much like, hi, everybody, everything's fine. Yes. <laughs> you know? and it's a I very think, different energy than stand-up, It's especially. a very different energy. And even when it's more lyrical, you know, it's, it's beautiful. I still, I live for Broadway. I, you know, I like, please sing to me. <laughs> I will cry. I will stand up and give you an ovation at the end, you know, but it's definitely like, yeah. I mean, if I, if I sing now, like I, I always sing in a comedic context Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I have to like take the piss out of it a little bit. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Just to, to feel like, cause it's so sentimental, right? You know, singing is so sincere and so sentimental. And for a comic, I'm very sincere. I'm like one of the more or even most 
dare I say, sincere comics, uh-huh. right? Like a lot of comics are very sarcastic. Yeah. I am not a sarcastic person. Mm-hmm. But even those are hard to uh, pair up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm also very emotional, very sincere. Yeah. And then going on doing stand-up with that kind of emotion and sincerity could be very challenging. Yeah. I mean, you have to trust that people will not tune you out. Look, I find that no shade to other types of comics, Mm -hmm. but like people want to listen to me because they can tell that I'm telling the truth. And I'm sharing myself. You right. know what I mean? They sense the, the sincerity. Yeah. And, they, and that's n- they like it, you know, which is not to say that they don't also like other things. Right. But I think, you know, if you're afraid to be a sincere comic, right? Like if you're somebody who is kind of using another modality, but really deep down, you're like, I wish I could be more vulnerable. And yeah. people say stuff like that sometimes, you yeah. know, like they'll come up to me and go, oh, I, I wish I could do blah, 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 you know? And it's like, first of all, just fucking do it. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Because if you wish it, you can do it. All you got to do is do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then don't don't be afraid. I mean, I think it's just people will embrace you if you just uh let them mm-hmm. yeah it's that thing audiences will also sense if you're holding back something yeah or if you're too rehearsed yeah that's why it's it could be very frustrating like you have like a well-honed material but then the thing you do improvisationally in the moment gets the biggest laugh of your set yeah 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 you're like yeah. wait a minute i worked so hard in that no, last i job. know that's <laughs> always for me like i love my material i i, I work on my material but yeah. uh, i will never i would never would never will never could never be the kind of comic who just sticks to the script right like i just and mad respect to people who do that because you know sometimes people have such tightly written jokes with such great word economy you know Mm -hmm. and and they just deliver like a million one-liners and that's such a beautiful craft yeah you know um but God forbid when they get thrown off. Right. You know what I mean? Sometimes that's difficult for them. Yeah. You know, whereas for me, I sort of, I sort of live for the interruption. You know what I mean? Because I'm, oh, thank God. <laughs> it also seems like, for me at least, I think I would get bored. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. something about being in the moment. Yeah. That. I think the way to not get bored, if mm-hmm. you're that kind of comic, mm-hmm. you have to just be so proud of your craft, mm-hmm. which I, I would be. If, if I was doing that, you know, right. so they should be. But um, what I was going to say about sincerity is that even, so even though for a comic, I'm very sincere, I'm still a comic, which means I'm way less sincere. <laughs> than, than like a brooding songwriter yeah, or something. Exactly. <laughs> so I still have to like take the piss a little. Right, yeah. right. So when did you get into, you, you studied musical theater in college? In college, yeah. And when did you get into comedy? So I came to New York um, when I was 23. So right after college? Pretty, uh, pretty much. much. Like I went to Chicago for a few months to check out the improv scene there. And mm-hmm. one of my best friends from college had moved there. Two, two of my best friends from college. Um, one ended up becoming an amazing agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other was a dancer and is still a dancer and has um, done the Lion King on Broadway for many, many years. Nice. And uh, he keeps trying to move to L.A. and they keep calling him back <laughs> to do The Lion King because um, apparently there's only like so many people who can be the giraffe, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's hard. You're on four stilts. It's like a really tough job. Right. Um, so anyway, 
So that's my friend Gabe. And he was living in Chicago and he was like, Hey, you know, there's a room in this building that I'm in. You can come here. And so moved there for a little while. And then, um, moved. were you going to go to second city in Chicago? Was no, that? I hadn't it. Like I started taking classes at different places mm-hmm. and kind of was sensing that whole world of like IO second city. And mm-hmm. I just decided, you know, this isn't really for me. And, but one of the things I did before I left Chicago was I did my first cabaret show uh-huh. and it was in doing cabaret where you could talk before you sang that I was like, okay, I'm not just funny when I'm in a musical or a play, like I can be myself and talk and be funny. You could be you in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So and that must so, have opened you up immensely. Yeah, because I had always loved stand-up. You mm-hmm. know, any kid who grew up in the 80s watched a ton of stand-up. And, a ton of bad stand-up. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. I'm sorry. Have you watched Eddie Murphy Raw? I did any watch those, it again, and oh I was my. like, it doesn't really hold up. But It's so bad it does not hold up. It's painful. Uh, but at the and time... Think, that was in movie theaters. It's a yeah. wild. No, I loved it. I watched it with my mother, actually. Uh, raw and delirious. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so then I... Um, you know, I, I came back to uh, New York State and I was like, I want to move to New York City. Mm-hmm. So I moved to New York City in the year 2000. And I have been here ever since. That's a long time to be in New York City. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. This town has changed a lot. Did you move here to pursue any particular brand of comedy? So at that time, I thought, well, I'm still going to try for Broadway. That was that was yeah. your goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I started going to musical theater auditions and I took this class with this casting director and he didn't like me at all. <laughs> and so at the end of the class, he was like, you know, well, here's here's all this shitty feedback I have about you. And then I said, well, you know, that's OK. I think I'm, I'm going to start to do comedy anyway. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, well, that'll be great for you. You're very entertaining. <laughs> Oh, God. So was that discouraging or was that like... No, actually, that was a little fuel for the fire because I was like, okay, Mr. Big Shot. I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. And then I, and then I, as soon as I did my first set at Caroline's, um, you know, I was funny. (laughs) So your first stand-up set, you didn't even go to an open mic first? I took a class. You took a class. Yeah. And then they had you perform at Caroline's as part of the class? Yep. That's the graduation show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you did well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just total, like, I mean, there's nothing like it, you know? And I had sort of done some stand-up-ish sets mm-hmm. in, in cabaret shows, right? So it's like, again, like, that was my practice, you know, right. where just doing extended riffs, not really getting to the song. Had you had Because I was like, I really just want to talk. Yeah, what? and I, I actually started to, like, write a couple jokes, mm-hmm. you know, to see if the jokes would fly. And, um, yeah, but then, like, my first proper stand-up show was at Caroline's and it was fucking incredible. Were you, you know? bit by a bug? Oh yeah. Like 100%. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is who I am now. Right. And then there was no looking back. Yeah. Do you, and there's a difference between New York stand up and LA stand up. You strike me more as an LA style stand up because you're much more uh, like you flail your arms around, you know, you, you, you <laughs> That's so funny. You're much more animated. That's funny because when I think about the differences between New York stand-up and L.A. Uh stand-up, I think about New York stand-ups being kind of like high energy, heavy hitting. Even if if they're sarcastic or dry, there's still like an intensity. Yes. And like L.A. stand-ups are always like, guys, 
what's up? <laughs> you know, like to me. So it's funny that uh, I meant it in a in a good way because yeah. you, you could see your uh, your background. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah a lot of New York stand ups just kind of stand still and deliver the comedy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But you know what? There, I, I read an article recently about this. Actually, about how like. Um, there's always been a musical theater influence on New York comedy. And mm. I thought that that was a good, true observation that people don't really talk about. Yeah. You know, like a lot of um, performers now that are like getting Buzz, Cat Cohen and Larry Owens, like they're great singers, really like cabaret style, mm. you know, vivacious, big, broad, you know, and, and that's totally like a musical theater influence. Um, John Early you know, has like a musical theater presentation kind of style. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, but there's something about if you're a woman, it's more like, be careful, <laughs> you know, like, how so? Uh, cause you don't want to be like considered like a comedian mm -hmm. instead of a comic. Right. What would that entail? What does that mean? What's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. So, so a comedian is somebody who more like relies on acting and personality. Okay. And a comic is somebody who can write and tell jokes. Write and tell jokes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even within comics, there's some comics that are just funny and people are laughing and I'm like, there's nothing here on paper. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? But that's okay to me, uh -huh, right? Yeah. See, I'm not... I don't um, have requirements like that. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm like, if you're funny, you're funny. Especially, like, if you make me laugh, I yeah. love you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I laugh at all different styles, you know? Right. So I could laugh at, like, beautifully crafted one-liners all the way to somebody who has zero jokes and just everything they say is funny. Right. You know? They're just and everything in between. Right. Like Jim Carrey, for example, might just come out and just make people laugh, not even saying anything. Yeah, totally. Just be rubber with his body. Yeah. And, yeah. That's cool. So you're, you are you have all these different outlets. You're, you could do stand-up, obviously, but you also are improvisational. So you, you're involved in, you have your own talk show? I did for a while. Yeah, it's not running right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Right Now with Carolyn Castilla. It was really great. I loved it. That's so weird because that's your name. I know. Can you believe that? When the, what a great title. When the producers were like, hey, we have a name for you. And it was my name. I was like, this was meant to be. Meant to be. <laughs> um, it was really fun. And I was just thinking about it this morning, in fact, because I remember um, some, you know, lucky for me, I uh, sometimes people will run into me on the street and they know who I am and they have nice things to say. And that's mm -hmm. very, very Where nice. Where do they usually know you from? Just live shows. Okay. And, um, you know, that's that's a wonderful feeling when people are like, I saw you at, and they know exactly where it was, exactly yeah. when it was. They remember your jokes. Like, that's a wonderful thing because... That's the best compliment. Yeah. And when you do live shows, like, you don't know if that's sticking in any way, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but I love live performance. Like, I, I am a live performer. That is who I am and what I am. And doesn't mean I don't also love TV and all the other mediums because I do, but you know, I would never want to just do on camera stuff. Like I need a live show. Cause you get that immediate feedback. Yeah. That energy. It helps me get my energy out. It helps me give to people. Like I fucking, I love making an audience laugh live in a yeah. room. It's just like, first of all, 
you literally feel like the most powerful person on the planet. Yeah. You know? And I feel like, I'm like, you know what? I love being this powerful and I love that I use my power for good. Yeah. Not to be a cheese ball, but it's true, you know? Yeah, you're making people happy. Yeah. Yeah, you're saving them money at the doctor's office. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking hope that's true. (laughs) There's also something to like, uh, on stage, you could be much bigger. Yes. And when you're on TV, you kind of have to You have to rein it, it in. Yeah. yeah, totally. So I could see how you'd hate that. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. <laughs> or prefer the But I pref- the, but yeah. I like, you know, I actually like the challenge of having to, you know, um fit into the appropriate space. Yes. Um but I but yeah, I mean it's not hard for me <laughs> to right. fill a big room. <laughs> um So wait, what were we kind of saying before that about Oh, uh, you were talking about your talk show. Oh, yeah, but yeah. You also are talking head on uh, news sometimes. HLN, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I. Are you very political? Um, I mean, I don't know how to answer that question. I try to pay attention as best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly have political beliefs, you know, um, and and don't mind, you know, espousing them as part of uh, being a talking head or entertaining or whatever, but I'm not like the most knowledgeable person Mm. out there about politics. Like my friend Nagin, um, she has this great podcast called fake the nation. I just did it the other day. Mm -hmm. And I'll edit that out. We don't talk about other podcasts. Oh, you don't? (laughs) I'm I'm totally kidding. (laughs) Um, That's the only edit of the whole podcast. (laughs) I'm always worried about like knowing enough of the facts, you know? And so before I said yes, I was like, you know, just, you know, like I, I think I can speak well on most topics, but sometimes I get nervous. And she was like, oh, please, I send you articles. You can read them and then we'll discuss. And I was like, oh, great. I can do that. You know? Right. So, I mean, I don't have, you know, the name of every Senator memorized, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you, if you give me, you know, a story to comment on, I can do that pretty well. <laughs> right. Well, you probably have that skill from memorizing lines. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, musical theater is good for something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now you're doing this uh, Laugh Exchange app. Yes, I am. This the, is almost brand new, right? It's brand new. I mm-hmm. mean, we're two months in. Okay. Um, so it's a startup. Um, we've built a comedy app called Laugh Exchange. And um, right now, our main uh, sort of thing on the app is these shows that we're running um with themes so um i think we've done 30 or 32 by the end of this season which is next week um and it's been a blast because i'm the head of editorial and creator community and this job has given me an opportunity to literally use every single skill that i've gained in the 18 years that i've been in new york so i'm how how so how do you use these skills well because so i'm like you know coming up with show themes Mm -hmm. and then uh curating the lineups Mm -hmm. and reaching out to people and letting them know you know bringing them into the fold planning live events then i hosted the show um and just kind of like, you know, even, you know, talking about it on podcasts, like it's so it's, it's been a great experience to like, flex my business skills, mm-hmm. along with my performer skills, along with my producing skills. And also I've gotten to direct our raps with our host, Abby Crutchfield. So learning a ton of new stuff really quickly, and then just like, 
using everything I have. What do you mean direct the raps? The uh... So um, the, the show, the way it works on the app is on a show day, a user gets a notification that says the show's on, check it out. You click into the app, um, you, you click watch and win. We've got a thousand dollar pot, which is shared by comics and audience. And our host, Abby comes on and says, Hey everybody, welcome to laugh exchange. Today's theme is vacation, right? That was our show, our last show. And, um, so she does a couple jokes, lets you know how the voting works. We have this little emoji, that is a, we call it a smile swipe and you lift it up and it goes from just a cute little smile to laughing out loud with tears. And that's how you, you know, let the app know how funny you thought each comic was. Mm -hmm. When you get to the last screen after watching between six to eight comics, they're ranked in the order that you swiped them, right? So if you swiped somebody the highest, they're your number one, et cetera. And then you can move them around. If you think like, Oh, that person was funnier than that person. You lock in your vote and then Abby comes back and says, awesome, thanks for voting. Here's a joke. Here's our next theme. And so we shoot those um, on a green screen in our office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's been amazing to like... So you get to help write her uh, her jokes? Yeah, so I do punch up for the script mm-hmm. and, and then direct her, um, which is, you know, I, I love working with talent. Like it's something that uh, makes me feel really great because I feel like one of the cool things about me is that I see other people in a positive light and I, and I want to help them bring out their best work. And, and as a performer, sometimes you can't see yourself that way. Right. You know, especially in New York when there's so many people. Yeah. And so you need someone who can be not just a mirror for you, but like a beauty mirror. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah. To like with the best lighting and like me, you know what <laughs> I mean? It makes you look skinny and can just give you all this feedback that's going to like bring out your best. And the app is also paying comics, which is nice. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that was something that was really important to me. And I brought that to the guys on the tech side who, you know, sort of created um, the startup and came up with the idea. I was like, look, you know, we really need to pay comics. Like, it's really important to pay them. And there was always going to be prize money. But I said, no, we got to pay everybody. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you still get an appearance fee. Right. Even if you don't win. Right. You know, it's it's awesome because we're getting people from all around the country getting involved and i think this kind of thing and laugh exchange specifically is like great for people who are in you know nebraska right right? like there's got to be comics in every state yeah but they don't necessarily have an outlet or a good local scene no way to be seen maybe they have an open mic once a week at their town yeah exactly so what's the you're giving away money yeah every every week every sometimes twice a week yeah two to three times a week we do shows right so what's the end goal obviously it's not a company to lose money no that's how, right how so, is it gonna <laughs> so, <laughs> see i, I know business <laughs> <laughs> you did good gear um so w- we're building the platform mm-hmm. um to be something well beyond just running shows so ultimately our goal is to connect comics of all levels um, with fans and sort of to be a comedy only space where, because look, when you go to YouTube, you might 
watch a comedy clip, but then it's going to be next to a music video and next to a TED talk. And you know what I mean? Right. Same thing for Instagram. You might. And the comedy clip might not, not even have been put up by that comedian. So you can't even find that comedian without being a sleuth yourself. That's right. Instagram, you can scroll through. You might see a funny video, but then you got to see somebody's bikini pic and right. somebody's breakfast. You know, yes. <laughs> if you go to Twitter, you might read a great joke, but then the next tweet is like, Donald Trump, you know, so um, I, I really love that we're building a digital space for comedy that doesn't really exist right now. So how is it going to monetize? Um, none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> is that the secret? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Is, that's, that's later, I'm guessing. No, First. I mean, they have a plan. I don't know if I am allowed to divulge or not. But, right. but yeah, we, we, we do think that there's a, a valid business plan here. Sure. Like all, like most of these social apps, you get a bunch of users, get a lot of activity, and then figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, Twitter lost money like the first 10 years. Oh my God, is yeah. that true? Yeah, I think it was just profitable for the first time last year. Oh my God. And and isn't Jack really like a white supremacist? I have no idea. Do you follow any of that? Uh, I know he's, he's, I would guess that he's probably like a libertarian weirdo. You know, where, yeah. he, where he just thinks anarchy will work somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what his platform is all about, right? Kind of. Yeah, he, he, he seems like he didn't want to silence anybody. Yeah. Without a lot of well, pressure. Well, but you know, I mean, like, look, if you look at Facebook, for example, right? They, they don't, <laughs> they don't want to silence anybody except for when they start silencing people. And then the people they end up silencing are the oppressed you know what i mean so like their their um system for evaluating speech mm -hmm. favors white guys over everyone else it's pretty fascinating there's a lot of stuff out there that you can read and listen to about this yeah and they just got busted basically they knew about the russian bots going yeah. on in the election but they didn't do anything about it yeah they actually tried to silence tried to not do anything about it isn't this crazy yeah what a fucking we're living in a james bond movie well i think these these tech people don't realize that they probably have just too much power they just want money that's what it comes down to With great power comes great yeah, responsibility it's like, <laughs> it's like we're not gonna look at who the money is coming from mm -hmm. you know yeah and i did do they think they were colluding with the russians i don't know you know do they think that they threw the u.s election Probably not. I mean, how is how does Donald Trump being president benefit Facebook? I don't know if it does or not. I don't know if it does either. But I know that the cost for them to go and rid the network of all the Russian bots would have cost them money. So they were like, well, let's just ignore it. Yeah, but they'll take down every breastfeeding picture they right. find. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. They have the ability to get rid of whatever they want to get rid of. And it's the same thing on Twitter. You know, he wasn't banning any Nazis, right. you know, but if you say men are trash, you're, you're booted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. What if you put men are trash except for Jack? <laughs> that stays up. <laughs> See, you are political. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so what's next for you? You have shows coming up. You have I'm always performing live all around New York City mm -hmm. um, in, in any type of venue you can think of from <laughs> the fanciest to the diviest. Theaters to bars. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. 
Um, so you can always catch me. I post my shows on social media. Should people just wander around to different places? Yeah, well, try to find me on the street. <laughs> give me a compliment, and then I'll tell you where my next show is. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of up. Like, I don't have that many gigs before the holidays. I guess I have a gig. Your, they could check your website. They could if I kept it as updated as I should. Right. No, but you you can go to my website. Uh, on the 18th, I'm doing a gig in Brooklyn. December 18th. I'll post it. Okay. I'll post it on comediancarolyn.com. That's your website. That's my website. That's great because your last name could be a little tricky for people with that silent G. Costagula? <laughs> I need phonetics. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've got a great story. Thanks for sharing. I feel like we didn't touch a lot of it. You want to go back to the murder-suicide? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was more curious about you being a mother. I mean, how do, oh. you, how do you balance that? And You know, this is such a good question. And, and I think a lot of people give a lot of bullshit advice, mm-hmm. you know, to try to seem like they have it all together. Like, well, this is what you have to do. For me, one something I said to a friend the other day was I was like, look, if you want to have a kid, have a kid. Like people make such a big deal about it. They anguish over it. And it's like, no, this is a biological imperative. Okay. So if you have any inkling to have a kid, just have the kid. You will figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, your life has to change a little bit. A little bit? But I, <laughs> a little bit. But I find that. You know, you. I became a better person after I had a kid. I became mm. more organized, more efficient, more loving, smarter, more truthful. You know, it just, I don't know. Like, it's, it's not a big deal. Did it force you to face, like, to kind of relive your life? Like, say, when your daughter oh, was... Yeah. Oh my right? god! Right, because you're li- yes. when your daughter is nine, you're like, oh, I remember when I was and nine. And that's this the happened. that's the really hard part. Like, if you have childhood trauma, mm-hmm. you will relive it through your child, right. and that I think is something that people don't really talk about. Yeah, might not even know how to talk about. Might be scared to talk about because maybe they never think like I'm a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. You know, but if that's if if anyone listening can relate to this, you're not a weirdo. You are not alone. It's how, it's literally how your mind works, right? So basically, I just talked about this on another podcast too, and I, I don't think it's out yet. So hopefully you can get the scoop. <laughs> but um, basically, like, you're raising your child, and your child is six, and they fall off their bike, and they are bloody and screaming, you know, just because they're freaked out. And your mind goes back in time to a similar situation you were in in your childhood looking for what was the adult reaction? What did my mother do? What did my father do? What did, you know, the mailman or the teacher or whoever was nearby do? And if you don't have an answer, A, or B, the answer is something bad, (laughs) you know, you, you have to process that. So, so many times as my daughter was growing up, I was searching back and it's just, it's just a, it's an automatic process. It's not like a conscious process. Your brain searches back. You remember, uh, the parallel item from your own childhood. And for me, in my case, I had to experience either the neglect or the anger or violence that that happened to me in a similar situation and then kind of deal with the shock of that in my body and go 
okay, I'm not going to do that. So I don't really know what to do right now. And there's kind of a brief, and this all happens very fast. This brief moment of being paralyzed and then making a new choice. Yeah. Right. But the thing that reverberates is the memory. Mm -hmm. And so I experienced a lot of PTSD while I was raising my daughter because every time my brain went back looking for the, the, the answer, it came up with some bad shit. <laughs> I heard, I, I did hear you mention violence. Yeah. 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 I mean, like I got hit a lot, you know, and my mother screamed a lot. Right. Like, like she wasn't uh, in a great place when <laughs> she was raising me. So we've come to terms with it now and we have an okay relationship. Um, she actually the reason why we have an okay relationship is because she finally understood. Like I, I called her about a year ago and I told her, I need you to know. And I need to know that, you know, because I told you that I have PTSD so bad. It makes it hard for me to do simple things like laundry because it's tied up in my childhood bullshit. And she sat with that, you know, and then the next time we spoke, she told me, Carolyn, you know, it's amazing because you said you had PTSD. And I thought, how could she have that? That's just for war people. Hmm. But then I looked it up and it turns out that is an epidemic hmm. that people have that from their childhood. So now I believe you. <laughs> like, oh, thanks, Google. <laughs> No, but, but thanks Google. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I, I tried to get her to get it for so long. And one of the stories that I told on risk is about this, like mm -hmm. kind of trying to deal with my mother and trying to get her to understand, like, even I'm an adult now and you're an adult and you're still so oppressive and I'm still so constantly triggered by you and you're still acting like such a narcissistic asshole. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she couldn't get it. She couldn't get it. She couldn't get it because narcissistic parents had their own shitty traumatic childhoods. And especially if you look at baby boomers, like they're, they're not really able to process all of the stuff that we can process because they didn't have therapy and it wasn't okay right. to examine yourself. That meant you were fucking crazy. Yeah. So instead of accepting that they were crazy, they just acted crazy and shitty to everybody else. Yeah. You know, you can't not be crazy until you go, okay, well maybe I am crazy, but how do I fix it? Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Right. You know, so she did uh, get it together and start to like do the reading and do the work. And being a grandparent kind of gives her a second chance. Yeah, totally. And she's always been a good grandparent, mm-hmm. you know, as most people are, right? Like Older and wiser. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, thanks for sharing all that. Great. Love to cram all that into a short hour. Yeah. It's well, so dense. I, like, it is. And, and I like, feel why like, do I even talk about myself? It's too much. No, I feel like we touched on something that I could easily start talking about because it uh, sounds like you were raised with a tumultuous upbringing violence and screaming and that kind of thing yeah it doesn't sound extremely nurturing no no it wasn't but i always say that you know like you said you think about how your parents reacted and and raised you you can also think about that and then you know okay well i definitely don't want to do that oh yeah you know so then you're like all right well what do i want and that was my mantra from the time i was like 12 i guess Right. You know. And then you also know what to watch out for because you probably might spring to that as your instinctual reaction. Totally. And you have to like stop yourself and go, no, you know. I'm not going to repeat what I know. Yeah. 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 Or if you do accidentally yell, right, then you go, okay, wait, sorry. Mm-hmm. Let me redo. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a saint. <laughs> well, obviously, you're a perfect mother. <laughs> I think if we've learned anything this podcast, yeah. is that you are a perfect mother. I am the best comic in New York. I have the most energy in the world. I'm a perfect mother. What else? And your blood is so valuable, they sell it on eBay. So. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Gary. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.